All right, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Proverbs, chapter 3. Jeff's going to try to hook up a screen here for me. We'll see if this is going to be possible. So Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to read out of two passages today, and then we're going to go after it. You guys ready to grow a little bit today? Come on, you ready? You got your, your Holy Ghost dumbbells out right now? Uh-huh. Any, anyone ready to do some, some Holy Ghost squats? <laughs> That's a weird picture. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord laid the earth's foundations with wisdom's blueprint. Someone say wisdom. All right. And by his living understanding, someone say understanding. Sorry, my screen just cleared because we're trying to hook this thing up. Here we go. Let's see if I can get this into a bigger mode. All right. Get you guys to see this. And by his living understanding, all the universe came into being. By his divine revelation, someone say revelation, he broke up the hidden fountains of the deep, bringing secret springs to the surface as the mist of the night dropped down from heaven. Someone say wisdom. Someone say understanding. I now say knowledge. Okay, in other versions, that word revelation is knowledge. And these three things are the opportunity for us to get a pretty massive upgrade in under and knowing who God is and how to apply that in our lives. There is a need for us to begin to approach God with a desire to say, God, teach me your wisdom, give me your understanding, and let me walk in your knowledge. Someone say wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. In this, in in this, um, in these three elements are the opportunity for really for us to succeed, and and kind of the the foundation to get to these things is love, hope, and faith. And of the greatest of these three, we know is love. Isn't it interesting that by love you have an encounter, you get awakened, your identity comes alive, things start happening in that place, and then all of a sudden you begin to see things differently. You know, I love my dad's story. He, uh, he shares it often and, and, and that he had an encounter with the Lord where just like he met love in the face. And he got caught for like six or seven hours one night. I think it was like on a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And, you know, my dad had been serving the Lord all of his life and faithful and devoted and doing all the things. And yet, you know, 10 years ago, he fell on his face and the person of love made himself manifest to my father. And, and for seven hours, it was just like, hello, love. And he got up. And he began to see differently. How many know that when you encounter love, you see differently, don't you? Uh, when you encounter love, I see Gail for who she is in Christ, not for who she wasn't in her past. Right? Come on, it's the same thing with Papa Dave. When I, when I have an encounter with love, I begin to see you according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. 
Come on, love's a powerful thing. When you have an encounter with love, you begin to see people with the love that you just experienced. This is amazing. Why do you need to have a love encounter? Well, so that you can become that love encounter to everyone around you. There's so, you know, and we've, we've dug deep wells here and laid deep foundation that from now on, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, from now on, I regard no one according to the flesh. I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you guys have heard me preach it a thousand times and anybody else in this place, you need to memorize those five scriptures right there. Verse 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. I believe they are some of the most critical verses that explain what's happening right now. The shift that's been happening for the last 15, 20 years in the church is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20. And if and if, that, if those verses don't provoke you in a significant way, like, you, you, there's an opportunity for upgrade. Let me tell you that. <laughs> From now on, I regard no one according to the flesh, but according to the new creation. And, and so what does it look like for me to have that love encounter and then begin to see differently? I believe that moment you see differently, that's the encounter of hope. What does hope do? Hope is the joyful expectation of good in the future. Come on, a hopeless perspective is a godless perspective, yeah? I'm, I'm laying some foundation here. We're going to get into this wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But we got to know where, this, where these experiences fit in the progression of growth. How many know that we're all trying to grow? Yeah? And so I have an encounter with love that then changes the way that I see. And then all of a sudden when I see, I know where I should go, which now means I can take a step by faith. I have an encounter of love that changes the way I see so that then I take a step by faith. And I really believe that in this move of God that's been happening for the last 15, 20 years, where we are at is that the church is fully energized with faith. We have faith like we've never had before. We see more miracles today we've ever seen. We've seen there's like an outpouring of the Spirit, and it's happening by faith. I mean, the manifestations and meetings and the things that are going on, people are beginning to believe that God wants to manifest himself among us. Yeah? Come on, and so it's so exciting. We've never had more faith than we do right now for God to intervene. It's true. If you measure the data, if you look at the data, the data says there's more people in, 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 in big stadium buildings. There's more conferences that we've ever had for people to hear God's voice, to start to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And, you know, how many of you guys in this room, you know, have been to, you know, more conferences in the last 10 years and what you did in, in the previous decades before that. And what were, all, what were most of those conferences about? Hearing God's voice, doing the stuff, life in the spirit, living in the supernatural, right? This heaven on earth. These are the things we've given ourselves to. And how many people were in the room? Well, sometimes it's just this many. But I tell you what, when certain people show up, it's a lot more. You know, you get, you get Billy Joe to show up. The building's going to be full. That's, that's Bill Johnson, by the way. Yeah. Billy Joe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, you look at the pioneers and the women and the men that have gone out and said, hey, this is available for us. And, you know, I, I was just with uh, Dr. Bill Hammond um, in Nashville last week. And, 
You know, you hear the story of, how, of the cost that came to him in 1981 to look his, his other prophetic male colleagues in the room, in the face, and say, not only can all prophesy, but women prophets are coming. 1981. And he started to share the story of how his friends you know, betrayed him and people walked out on him. People thought he was crazy because he believed all could prophesy and that women could have the office of prophet. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when, when these, we, we've been, there's been a, a cost and a sacrifice that's been invested so that we could see the goodness of God right now like never before. It's remarkable because like a woman gets up and prophesies in the church. We're like, man, that was a great word. Thank you. And 40 years ago, someone lost friends over that. Like, like we're progressing. We're growing, aren't we? Like we're taking some, like we're not all there, but like we're taking great steps. And, you know, it's like, man, you know, Tony can get up here and share the cost of getting out of religion and into freedom and the relationships that that costs him. And Gail could share and, 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 and Michael could share and, and Gwen could share and I could share. And we can talk about the journey of how the church has had to step into something completely brand new. It's a new wineskin we're stepping into. And so, you know, we have faith for this. We've got faith for the new thing. Look at your neighbor and say, I got faith. I got faith for the new thing. You know, but I would like to propose to you that we actually haven't seen the new thing yet. We've just now started to get unified enough in our faith for the new thing to begin to see something new. Because how many know the signs, wonders, and miracles isn't a new thing? It's not new. The dead raising is not a new thing. Come on. People prophesying, not a new thing. I mean, 27% of the whole book is prophecy. 27%. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Isn't it funny how people don't believe in prophecy and yet 27% of the whole book is prophecy? And so there's something God's wanting to do to show us how the things that have always been true about who he is begin to integrate into this era. Someone say integrate. You know, most of the conflict I find for people who are, when something new is happening and you're, and you're, and you're designed to hold ground, anybody feel called to hold ground? Any ground holders in the room? Praise God. Yeah, it's amazing, right? We, you, know, I, I've, you know, one of the reasons why I'm a young leader and a part of a church like this is because I think we need to show young leaders that the church is still meaningful and valuable. Now, the structure of how we do church is radically changing, and it looks very, very different. And so I would never want to build what was successful in the last season. So I haven't. I have all the abilities to do that, but I haven't. Because there's something new that God's wanting to do, and that if we just go build what we know, we will undermine what it is that God wants to do in the new season. And I really feel that we're at a precipice right now. We're all of a sudden in the reset, in what's going on. It's like there's not much to lose but to go and do the new thing. And so here we are. So, you know, step number one is love. Step number two is 
hope. Step number three is faith. Step number one is love. Step number two is hope. Step number three is faith. And they go oftentimes in that order of priority. Have the love encounter, begin to see differently, and now begin to have energy or motion, if you will, put behind what you see. How many of you guys have ever been in that place where what you have faith for is in conflict with what's in front of you? Anyone ever been there before? Yeah? That's why we need faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Isn't it interesting that hope sees the future, but hope doesn't have an expectation of something specific happening. Hope has an expectation that something good will happen. There's a difference there, isn't there? Hope says, I trust God, something good's happening in my future, right? But faith doesn't work that way, does it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the what? The evidence of things not seen. The evidence. You see, that, that's why faith has to begin to have motion behind it. It has to manifest something. And so we've been in this tension of trying to live out this, this, this like responsibility that we have to live by faith and not by sight. And yet, like, it's, well, well I don't know if there's, is there, oh, is there ground there or is there not ground there? You know, it's like that Indiana Jones moment, you know, the, the invisible bridge, you know, and he throws the sand out there and, and, and there is something there. And, and so, but we live in conflict because it's like, well, God, I don't even know how the thing that I Half from my hope is going to be possible today. And so what ends up happening is, is that if your last tool or your last step is faith, you know what you do? You break things. You get into war. You get into conflict and confrontation because you believe that you have faith for something and yet there is a resistance or there is there's a challenge or there's a problem and and what you see isn't doesn't match your faith and so now you're going to get up there with your holy ghost sledgehammer and you're going to break stuff you're going to break it and 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 so because unfortunately the church that's where we stop teaching people it's like, oh, well, have, have the encounter of love and then begin to see differently and then by faith, bam! Yeah. And so there's some people who are like, I don't know if I like that faith message. It's like, yeah, faith is very biblical, but I don't know. I might just stand back here at hope. Everything is wonderful. Everything is awesome. Do, 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 do. Everything is good when you work on a team. Legos. <laughs> okay, you guys got to get some grandkids, some kids in the house. Watch the Lego movie. You'll know what I'm talking about. And so, and so people begin to camp in love, hope, or faith because oftentimes faith comes at the cost of confrontation and people don't know what to do to advance. And so what I found is that people who stand in faith, they live in conflict for 20 years, trying to manifest the word of the Lord. I know many people like this. You know, I, I, I know people literally have been prophesying the same thing about what they believe is going to happen for 35 years. 
Here is the word of the Lord. This is who God is. He never changes. Here is the word of the Lord. Here is the word of the Lord. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And it's just like walking in mud. I mean mud, mud, mud. Because what you have faith for, what you have seen, is in direct competition with your current location. Yeah? So then we're like, well, what do we do? I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith, and yet what I see looks like a limitation or a resistance. I really wish that, like, Paul would have grabbed hold of this or something. Like, it would have been great if it had been like, hey, faith, hope, love, and integration. The word here, I believe, that we just read out of Proverbs chapter 3 would have been wisdom. You see, I believe there's three more steps available for us. You see, because faith, hope, and love are all in the unseen. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are all in the seen realm. And so what's exciting is right now we are literally behind a veil. We are behind a veil. We have done warfare in the spirit. We have broken things in the spirit. We've gotten freedom in the spirit. And now we are living in the tension of the unseen and the seen. And when you only have unseen skills, you will get really frustrated in the seen world. Yeah? Walk into that boardroom and say, I bind you in the name of the Lord. I bind you. <laughs> Come on, walk into, those, into, into your local district, the polls on November 3rd, and bring your shofar and see what happens. <laughs> you will get escorted immediately. Come on. I mean, just walk into Applebee's and start. Microwave food. You will be wholesome in the name of the Lord. Amen. How many know that your unseen tools are not meant to be used for seen outcomes and application? What you do in the unseen is different than what you do in the seen. Your tools for intimacy are not your tools for connection in the outside world. I'll let you take all that to every place it needs to go. Make it practical. And, and, and so what's, you know, it's interesting because I love revival, and yet the tools that we have to stir and woo the heart of God for encounter and revival are not the tools we need to actually transform the world. You know, I, I love Bill Johnson's wisdom on this. He says, you know, we found out that miracles weren't going to transform Reading. That miracles were not the supernatural gift that was going to transform Reading. He said, we believed it was generosity. We found that generosity was the practical expression of a supernatural investment that then became something tangible and integratable and applicable that our city could receive. So I have a love encounter that then I begin to see my city differently and now I have faith to say heaven on earth. 
But I got to step through that veil of the unseen and into the seen place and begin to offer an experience to people that makes sense to how, excuse me, heaven wants to show itself in their lives. Step number one, love. Step number two, hope. Step number three, faith. Step number four, wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the first step that we take to begin to translate our faith into application. And so the faith community, I, I found this out. I've got a friend who's got so much faith. I mean, he's a hammer. I mean, like, I mean, he just, he's, he's got it. And like, he can believe for things. He's a little bit rigid because he believes something, you know? And it's like, this is what it's going to be. This is the kingdom of God. And if you've got a problem, let's talk about it, you know? And he's ready to go, you know? And uh, always ready to go. And so I, as I've been increasing my relationship with this guy, I realized, like, there, there were moments when he would do this, and I'm like, what he's saying is true. Like, but I don't know if it's the truth. Like, what he's saying is right, but I don't know if it's the truth. Because faith without wisdom can do as much destruction as it does good. Because it's actually wisdom that allows us to translate the thing we have faith for into a practical step so that what is happening becomes profitable for all. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in the King James Version and verse 4, it says that the gifts of the Spirit have many manifestations, but one of the things he says, Paul says there before he lists the gifts, is that they would be profitable for all. So if we want to see transformation in the world and we have all these supernatural skills and abilities and, and, and we've got a, you know, a whole toolbox here open of all the things that are going on, how many know that, that we need to begin to ask the question, how does my word of wisdom become profitable for all? How does my discerning of spirits become profitable for all? How does my prophecy become profitable? How does my faith become profitable? The working of miracles become profitable. How do I begin to translate these nine gifts into something that will benefit someone who has no clue what's happening right now? Have you ever been, you know, one of the things we've done well in the, in the at least as a church we've done this well, many other churches have as well, uh, is that we've, put wisdom into our prophetic evangelism training. And we've said, you, you can't just walk up to people and when they let you pray for them, you know, put your hand on their forehead and shake them around, turn them all about. That's what it's all about. Like, that, that's not what's going on here in the mall. You know, like, you probably don't need to touch them, actually. And we've had to overcome the mindsets we've had about the tools in our unseen place. The tools that we've used in our intimacy and in our connection with God. The tools even that we use in our gatherings. And we've had to shed those tools as the only way God can move and come up with wisdom on how to apply who God is in us into an experience that's profitable for the person in front of me. Is this making sense? Step number one, love. Step number two, Hope. Step number three, faith. Step number four, wisdom. Step number five, understanding. Step number six, knowledge. 
Let's go back and read this again. Come on. Beautiful. It says, the Lord laid the earth's foundations with what? Just perceive it in the spirit, okay? Work with me here. Is this Comcast, Michael says? Oh, my gosh. I, I have a lot to say about that. Come on, stay connected, baby. I love you. What is going on here? Okay, Proverbs 3. Anyways, I'll read it. The Lord laid the earth's foundations with wisdom's blueprints. All right, wisdom's blueprints. And, and so uh, by his living understanding, all the universe came into being. All right, so wisdom, the earth's foundations were founded. Other versions say the, the Lord founded the earth with wisdom. And so Hebrews 11 says that God framed the world with his words, and he made that which was seen from the what? The unseen. And so there's something significant about how to begin to translate the unseen into something that can manifest in the seen world. And so God founded the earth. How many of the earth is seen? It doesn't say he founded the heavens. He founded the earth with wisdom, right? That means God had love and then he had faith or hope, and then he had faith to believe what's, what the earth could be, and by wisdom, he was able to create a blueprint. You see, one of the things that the charismatic church is lacking right now is wisdom, and we believe that wisdom is in competition to our faith. Just like we thought that the mind of Christ was in competition to the life in the spirit. We thought it was going to quench the spirit. We, we thought that if I actually loved God with my mind, that it would somehow be a problem. And, uh, and so we need to begin to ask the question, how can I begin to have a strategy that will support the outcome my faith is able to believe for? We're just like, we see, you know, tw 20 years down the road and we're like, this is the word of the Lord. And everyone in front of us is like, you're crazy. And then we get mad because they don't agree because they don't see as we see, do they? And so they're walking. We're, we have a, a hope-filled eyesight, and they're living by a present-day sight. And so all of it needs insight so that we can have a strategy on how to apply the thing that we have faith for. Now, it might be true, you know, it's like, let's just think about a skyscraper. You know, beautiful, sophisticated buildings are being built today, right? And, uh, and downtown Detroit, you know, the largest skyscraper is, is being built right now in our skyline. Dan Gilbert's building it, and it's going to be the tallest building in our skyline. It's happening, and it's like, it's a big, huge four-story mall. There's a theater. There's a bunch of mixed use. There's some apartments and condos, and there's towers and all this stuff going on, right? And could you imagine if you were like, if someone walked up to this flat lot and was like, building 
I call you to manifest right now in the name of Jesus. Building manifest. Now. Okay, let's, where are the shofars at? Get them out. Here we go. Let's try this again. We as believers have undervalued God's ability to give us blueprints and strategies on how to take steps towards manifesting the thing that God gave us faith for. And wisdom says, one step at a time, I can begin to plan. The fact that I need to do land development doesn't discredit the fact that God wants a building at the end. Come on. The fact that I start to lay a foundation and pour concrete doesn't discredit God's ability to manifest a building at the end. Just because I started to run underground and, and, and plumbing and electrical under the earth and through my foundation, and, and that doesn't undermine that there's a building. Just because I start to build a floor doesn't undermine the thing that I have faith for. Just because I begin to build a structure on top of this thing doesn't under... Do you see what I'm saying here? There has to be people who have the wisdom on how to integrate the things that are needed so we can manifest the thing that we have faith for and not just call everyone crazy who doesn't see the thing that we already see. And so wisdom gives us blueprints. Understanding creates the opportunity for there to be being. There is, there is a, this is, the idea of being is protocol. It's, it's about Gov, uh, governing. It's about administration. Yeah? And so I have, I have blueprints that now need protocols to execute these things. It could also be values. How many know that we, we have some core values here at Gen 1, don't we? And we, re, we re-communicate these things all the time, and, and we talk about the goodness of God. The goodness of God's a core value here. We believe God's in a good mood. We believe in the prophetic. God is always speaking. Come on, we believe in grace. God wants to do something for you that you can never do for yourself. Come on, we talk about these different things and these priorities in the Spirit and hope. And we, I mean, we, we got like 16 of them, I think, that we've identified. They're on the site. And, and what you may or may not know is that every single week you're getting three or four or five of those rehearsed at some point in the service. And we're just rehearsing these things and washing your mind with it. And, and, and what it's doing is it's calling you back into kingdom government so that your life, your world is governed by kingdom values and not governed according to what the world is saying or what your stress is saying or what the doctor is saying. Come on, somebody. we got to have a protocol. And so the gift of understanding allows us to establish a protocol. Wisdom is a blueprint on what to build. Understanding begins to say, these are the things that will govern us while we build it. And so I found that some people can have faith for the outcome that we have faith for and will partner with us and can help us build a building, if you will, get the strategy put together, but their core values are out of place. And so, ultimately, the experience that people have while the building is being built doesn't represent the heart of God. You ever been to a restaurant and you, didn't, you just didn't like the way they did something? Yeah? You didn't like the way, you didn't like their recipe? You know, best Italian restaurant in all of Detroit? 
great reviews. You walk in and you're like, I disagree. That red sauce isn't the way that my grandmother makes it. I disagree. So the chair might have been comfortable. The service might have been good. It might have been a very successful restaurant, but you didn't under agree with the protocols. And so what we're needing is, is we need to have a blueprint. So wisdom is a blueprint and understanding is a protocol. And then by his divine knowledge, he broke open the hidden fountains of the deep, bringing secret springs to the surface as the mist of the night dripped down from heaven. When the deep opens up, how, how many know that the earth is a womb? The earth is a womb. That's what it is. It's a reproductive agent. Because when you put seeds in it, it births things. We were made out of the dust of the earth, yeah? And so, you know, so the, the, the idea is the earth, it produces things. It's a reproductive agent. And so when the earth opens up, it births things. It multiplies things. It is the calling of the earth to do that. And so knowledge is the idea of reproduction. It is the idea of multiplication. It is the idea that I can move from profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, to profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. This prophet advances with words. This prophet advances with action. Actually, if you look at the etymology of the word, that's what it means. Prophet, as in prophet of God, is to advance with words. Profit, as in profitability of your business, it literally just means to advance with action. And so what we're seeing is that the, is that the prophetic and the apostolic are coming together. And so this veil that I'm talking about is about the skill set in the prophetic that is now partnering with the apostolic so that we can begin to have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. I get a blueprint that now is governed by a protocol that now demands profitability. If you're paying attention, I just gave you something amazing. Love, hope, faith, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. You see, all of us are in different places right now where we're, we're needing these, these different skills. And, and uh, you know, I was raised on love, hope, and faith. I was. I can, I can love, hope, and faith with the best of them. I've got the T-shirt. You know, I got the gold stars and all my, all my, you know, Jesus Club, youth group stuff. I mean, I got all the things, took the classes. And yet the apostolic call in my life is demanding that I begin to open up the responsibility on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. 
And so for me, it's a little bit difficult because like, I'm seeing that the ecosystem of the church is built off of love, hope, and faith. And our tools are there, and this is what we celebrate, and this is what we talk about, and this is what we want to do, and we want to do it again, and then we want to do it again. And yet the new wineskin is demanding that we begin to engage wisdom, understanding, and knowledge on the foundation of our love, hope, and our faith. The deeps open up multiplication is founded. And so, I, you know, I'd like to propose to you that the supernatural is simply what we use to measure the distance between what I know and what I don't know. A hundred years ago, we used to say that someone got healed and we didn't realize that they made decisions naturally in their body that healed them. But we said they were healed because we didn't know what was going on and we also prayed. Yeah? And so there, there are things, you know, obviously when God is doing something divine, divine, you know, it's like when we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. What if Christ in me is the hope of glory and that in the transfer of my subparticles, there is an energy, there is a, when I say energy, I mean very practically there is an energy. I mean, all this all the protons and the, and the electrons, they're all spinning. They're all doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You are literally just a ball of energy right now. That for some reason when I push you, I don't penetrate through your skin. But in theory, your skin is not a solid. Yeah? You guys know all that, right? So you're just a big ball of energy. And so, you know, those subatomic particles are like a baseball being in the middle of the stadium. And so the amount of energy around all of the particles of who you are in proportion to the actual mass is like a baseball compared to a stadium. The stadium is the energy and the baseball is the mass. That's how much energy you are in proportion to particles. Crazy, right? And so how many know that your spirit is bigger than your physical location? Right? When someone walks in the room, you can feel them without seeing them. Yeah? Anyone ever been there before? You're like, hey, hey, friend. <laughs> what was that? You feel something walk in the room. Why is that? It's because your spirit is bigger than your body. And so when someone walks in the room, the energy of who they are wound up that's bigger than this, all the things, there is an energy, there is a motion, and when someone is cross-current of the atmosphere and they walk in, you feel it because it's messing with your energy. This is not new age stuff. This is science, okay? This is not some weird thing. This is like, this is just like what's true, what's actually going on. There's energy right now. Neurons that fire together weave together, which is interesting. So when a new idea is expressed between me and Michael, Michael fires off an idea. There is a, a neuron that is connected to that idea that made it fire, that a neuron inside of my brain gets excited about, and it hooks. We call it connection. We call it chemistry. We're like, oh, it just feels good to be around Michael when he talks. It's actually what's happening is our energy is co-mingling. It's science. And so, and so there, there is like, you know, all these things are, are happening. And, and so I have no clue what I'm saying right now. Yeah, the co-mingling, but I was, I was taking it somewhere else. But so there is a, there is a, a mixture that's, that's been happening. Doggone it. Where was I going with that? Yeah, the deep. Yeah, it's terrible. And so the, there is a, 
But in, in that place, why was I talking about that? Was it translating? I forget. Thank you. Thank you. The distance. And so we measure the distance, and we call it the supernatural between what I know and what I don't know. Okay, so now I built a case for energy as a non-New Age thing, but a scientific thing. And so what if the transfer intensifies of, of the energy of my life being governed by the kingdom of heaven, meaning I have, I got the right hormones going, my mind is in subordinates to the mind of God, my physiology is in subordinates to the thing of God, and this vessel that is in subordinates to the things of God begins to touch something that's having conflict with the things of God, aka disease. And all of a sudden, the understanding that I have, the governing of the kingdom that has been held within this body begins to influence the lack of governance where this disease is trying to take hold. And when I, you know, I believe that in physical touch, like we know this to be true in love, right? We talk about I have a love language and it's physical touch. No one ever likes to admit that one because they think it just means sex. But it's like funny how that all works. But it's like there's this idea that it's like, man, when, when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. If love is empowered by physical touch, how much more is the kingdom amplified when we touch? And what, what do we not know in science that God made in our divine makeup and who we are that when I lay my hands and I've come out of the secret place and my life has been governed and protocoled by the kingdom of heaven and I begin to interject the, govern, the government of heaven in this place and all of a sudden it brings someone else's body into alignment. I have nothing biblical for you on that. This is me asking a question. This is me wondering, wondering what are the things that we know today that we used to call supernatural and in that same way we're about to learn a lot about in the future and like we're all going to translate. I mean, maybe not in our lifetimes, but like that's going to happen. Like they're beginning to do it. We're, we're beginning to communicate with people's brains and we're beginning like wirelessly Computers are beginning to understand people's brains. And we're building like automated subconscious versions, uh, like digital consciousness of people by reading their brains. And these, they're like they're starting to function and govern. Like you're going to be duplicated. Computers are going to be able to duplicate who you are. Be me up, Scotty, is not a radical idea. That's not. Like we're regenerating like, excuse me, organs at an unprecedented rate right now. It's all available. We can make anything we need to make. We haven't made a full human. Well, we don't know. They don't tell us about whether or not they've made a whole human yet. But we are simply technology away from duplication, from consumer-level interaction with this level of technology. It's coming like a freight train. Well, it's only scary because we don't think God's involved with it. But what if it's just shortening the distance between what I know and what I don't know? Because if we were like, well, God, if you could just translate me to China in this moment, what if we could translate the right person at the right time to be at the right place to help make the right decision so that this thing would begin to break wide open? We'd say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, what if we're able to do it through technology? 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, that's what's actually happening here. The glory of God is going to cover the earth as man begins to continue to progress in its knowledge of who God is and what he's created and what's available for us. And so the confrontation of this conversation that I'm even having today is in confrontation because we don't have a value on wisdom. Because we think blueprints are in conflict with faith. See what I just did there? Because we've only been developed to have love, hope, and faith, and the moment you start to put a blueprint that man can get involved with, what do you mean God wants to work through me to manifest his wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? We get a little trepidatious. I go, I don't know if man can handle that much power, and I don't know if... It's like, well, do we believe we have the mind of Christ or don't we? Do we believe that God wants to move through me or do we not believe that? What does it look like for us to begin to translate the unseen realm and begin to manifest in the seen realm? God framed the world. He created a structure of the world with his words and he made that which was seen from the unseen place. How many know that God had a blueprint? It was called his image. His image was a blueprint. How many of that blueprint was then duplicated in your DNA? Your DNA is a blueprint. Your DNA has decided what you're going to look like, what you're going to act like, what you're going to like, what you're not going to like. Your DNA is a blueprint. It is the cheat code of who you are, and it is one with the Father. It's remarkable. As we understand the blueprint, we will understand how to govern. As we know how to govern, then we will begin to multiply. So if our blueprint was made in the image of God, the more we understand it, the more we're going to understand the source of God. Not as one individual, but in the collective understanding of how God has made himself through all of us over time. I've got a friend working on a project right now, and she has an app. Her name is Fiorella Giordano. And she has an app where she is taking down people's dreams. And she has an algorithm that she's built to read people's dreams and to pull data out of them so that we can see the collective dream conscious of the world. And see how people dream and how it impacts political events how it impacts weather climate, how it impacts all these different things, and she's going to begin to measure how the collective dream conscious of the world predicts what is about to happen. Are certain regions more gifted and anointed for certain things? And is the United States better at this versus China's better at this? And, and how does God communicate and interact with us? It's remarkable. Remarkable. I'm sorry? Yeah, I am the Borg, yeah. What is this? This is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. This is not love, hope, and faith. This is manifesting love, hope, and faith through wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. What are we doing? We're beginning to measure the unseen so that we can govern it heaven on earth not let it be compromised. Begin to set up our strongholds around it so we can hold the ground that we're about to gain. We've been saying heaven on earth and we thought it was going to be a church service. 
we didn't realize that heaven on earth was going to require us all to be architects, to be kingdom actuaries, kingdom administrators. Come on. Kingdom marketers, kingdom investors. We didn't realize that the unseen world, as we became aware of how vast and how great it was, was going to require us now to accept responsibility to manifest the reality of those things so that it could become a blessing for everyone around us. Someone say a new era. Something new has begun. I've never heard anyone teach this ever in my life. <laughs> so I'll let you judge it. I trust you. Every word of the Lord needs to be judged, doesn't it? So how do we judge a word? Well, first of all, how many guys, how many guys caught mercy, grace, and judgment the other night? Did you guys catch that? Did you guys catch that? I went on for two hours talk, you know, sharing and training with people. Thank you. Thank you. How to interpret the Bible and how to judge modern-day prophecy. And, you know, one of the things we need to do is we need to increase our ability to judge the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, right? And so how many know that when you judge the word, you're not judging the person? Because we all hear in part and know in part until that which is complete has come, yeah? And so I don't, I, I, I judge this word. Pray about this word. Let it soak in your heart. Let it sit in your heart. Come on. We're good for it, aren't we? But I believe that even if my conclusions are wrong, that the path is, is a direction that we need to go in. We need to ask, we have to ask the question, what's after faith? And I would encourage you to ask this question, what's after faith? What responsibility do I have to manifest heaven on earth after I have faith for it? Because faith is still, the, it's a substance of the unseen, isn't it? So what does that look like for me to step into manifesting what God has made available? And so this is not like a, you know, warm and fluffy message, you know? This is like, oh, like, okay, we got to think a little bit with God on this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, Drew, that sounds exhausting. I, I heard that when I was teaching earlier. Like, Drew, gosh, why are you going to make it so complicated. Why can't I just like go to church and like have fun and do my thing? Like, no, actually the, the most dangerous demanding message you've ever said yes to was heaven on earth. Because it requires every single one of us to say yes to accepting responsibility to get out of faith and into the next step. And it's super comfortable to be here. Oh, just, just love each other. And oh, I hope everything's going well. And do it, Jesus. Amen. See you next week. That doesn't cost you anything. I'm rebuilding my whole world right now. Why? Because it needs to cost me something. I'm working five jobs right now. Why? Because it needs to cost me something. I will not stand here with the mind God has given me and the hands he's given me and the feet he's given me and just talk about what I think needs to happen in the world. That's not stewardship, actually. I need to get into action. 
I need to have a blueprint. I need to have a protocol. And I should have multiplication in my life because of it. Yeah? And it's happening. You know, as I'm out working with solutionaries and people are changing their world and helping them to get started and, and working on a lot of funding projects and doing these different things, I'm seeing things open up that only just simply need someone who believes in heaven on earth. And, and, and the, the earth is opening up, you guys. Knowledge is becoming available. What does it look like? So here's, here's the last thing I'll say, and I know I'm running, I said a lot tonight, so thank you for your patience. Last thing is this. We have separated wisdom, understanding, and knowledge as ungodly, and love, hope, and faith as godly. And so you actually use wisdom, understanding, and knowledge all the time. It's how you make money. It's how you pay your bills. It's how you have a legacy right now. It's how you've done any, it's how you function every single day in your life. You just didn't know that God wanted to integrate your love, hope, and faith as the foundation for these things to be possible. And so all we got to begin to do is say, how do I translate my love, hope, and faith into the skill set of strategy, protocol, and multiplication? What does that look like? It's in, these, in this transfer, in this translation, is where heaven will show itself on the earth. Because heaven is not a substance we create. Heaven is an experience we offer through us to the world. I'm going to say that one again. Heaven is not a substance that people, that gets manifest Heaven is an experience that I give to people as I become heaven to the earth. Heaven is not a glory cloud on the earth. Heaven is you knowing who you are, knowing why you exist, and offering yourself as a solution to the world to bring heaven everywhere that there's hell. This is what's available. In our lives. And so here's the question. What's after faith? What's after faith? I'm a kingdom strategist. I love this stuff, by the way. I love thinking about these things. And I love putting my hands into action on these things. And I believe what we need, the whole body of Christ, to begin to ask these questions. Because we have challenges Excuse me. We have challenges right now that talking at it won't solve the problem. We need solutions. We need solutionaries. And so what's the place in your life where you've settled for the stance of faith but God would like to bring you in to multiplication? What's the place in your life where you've created conflict simply because you hadn't integrated your love, hope, and faith into wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? There's lots of people who say, man, the devil's out to get me. And I'm just like, no, you just need wisdom for your faith. Your faith just needs some wisdom. If your faith had some wisdom, you'd not be under all the conflict you're in.
And so what does it look like for us to ask the Lord, Lord, what responsibility do I have to take a step into the seen place from the unseen? How do I go from that outer court to the most holy of holies? How do I make that transfer? How do I make that, you know, who I know you are internally and begin to manifest you externally? So, Father, I thank you right now for your spirit that's here. And Lord, I know that I, you know, poked a lot of boxes and But Lord, I just ask for your spirit of peace to come on that one statement, on that one scripture, on that one thing that was said that would elevate for us right now. I want you to pick something right now that was said that stood out to you. You'd be asked, Holy Spirit, what's the one thing that you want me to know? What's the one thing you want me to pray about? What's the one thing you want me to revisit? Thank you, Lord. For some of you, it might just be a question that was asked, and you want to revisit this question. and Maybe just a statement. You went like, Drew, I want to, I want to think about this more. I want to pray on this more. Something's elevating for you right now. And let's just, real, real quick, we'll spend 30 seconds here. What, what's the thing? Maybe it's a statement. Maybe it's just a single word, you know, that's elevating for you. What, what is it? Someone's, maybe something you wrote down. Yeah. How do I harness that collective wisdom? Amen. Praying that this week. Ask the Lord. He'll tell you. What else? What's the next step? Love that. What else? Okay. So is there something more to know in our physiology that God made that allows us to manifest the supernatural? Yeah, come on. Go after that. Come on. Ask the Lord more there. What else? What else? Andrew, did you raise your hand? Okay. Excellent. Great. Yeah. What else? Yeah, Diane. Blueprint. Come on. Kathy? Blueprint. Awesome. What else? Do a few more. Yeah. From faith. Exactly. Come on, there's freedom there, isn't there? Come on, it's so good. What else? What else? Come on. There's, uh, I feel it increasing. Yeah, Valerie. Yes, I had that slide next. We didn't get to it. So good. So good. Matthew, maybe we'll do that next week. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Go ahead. Come on. Wow. Come on. Freedom there. Freedom there. What else? Mark, you're a thinker. What elevated for you, man? 
What do you want to think more about? Creativity. Yeah. Awesome. Yep, let's pray into that. Let's pray into that. What else? Anything else over here? You got another, Michael? Heaven on earth. Becoming heaven on earth. I like that. Becoming heaven on earth. So good. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Come on, the earth has a womb. Yes, come on. Go down that black hole and see what happens. <laughs> yes, come on. So good. Be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, come on. We got a lot of wisdom from the Lord back here. Ladies, heaven to earth. Come on. Liz, what do you got? Come on. So good, so good, so good. Let's all stand. So, Father, I thank you for the grace to take our next step. Father, if we're at love and we need hope, Lord, let us step into hope. Lord, for those who are in hope and need faith, let them step into faith. Lord, for those who are in faith and need wisdom, let them step into wisdom. Lord, those that are in wisdom, let them step into understanding. And understanding, step into knowledge. Lord, we want to see the manifestation of heaven on earth. And we accept responsibility for what's after faith. What's after faith? Lord, we just say yes right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge would be awakened in us in a new and profound way. That, Lord, we begin to see you more clearly like we've never seen before. That as the apostolic grace is awakened, even in us, that, Lord, we would see it like we've never seen and we would do as we've never done. Father, I bless everyone here in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.